Today on CityCast Denver. The federal evictions moratorium is set to expire at the end of the month. And among other things, that's probably going to mean even more people living in cars on the streets of Denver. We are just leaving folks to fend for themselves and to kind of continue this downward spiral into a trap that becomes really hard to get out of. Today is Tuesday, July 27th, 2021. I'm Paul Caroli, and this is CityCast Denver. Let's see what's happening out there today. It's going to be sunny with highs in the mid-90s. Yesterday, in his annual State of the City speech, Mayor Michael Hancock said we are in a Phoenix moment. Yes, it's time to lift our heads and to see a better tomorrow, to build a better tomorrow. This is a Phoenix moment where we get to rise from the ashes of hardships, transformed, redefining what it means to be a 21st century city. In a 20-minute address from the rooftop of the library's central branch, the mayor covered a slew of topics, everything from his plans to boost the economy to Denver's rising crime rates. We got one surprise from the mayor. He announced plans to build a new mid-sized arena at the National Western Center. Apparently, his administration has been talking about this for a while and wanted to fund it as a public-private partnership. But that fell through, so now they're hoping to ask voters to fund it as part of the bond they're trying to get on the ballot in November. But Mayor Hancock's number one priority, according to his speech, is the housing crisis. You have my word. We are going to continue to deploy every tool available with a goal of lifting thousands of people out of homelessness over the next two years, including those who are living on our streets in the most unsafe and unhealthy conditions. So how does he plan to do that? The mayor said, quote, we know what works and he wants to see more hotel rooms, tiny home villages, safe outdoor spaces, safe parking spaces. And of course, creating new and preserving existing affordable homes. For every unit of affordable housing that's built, two jobs are created. That's why I'm proposing to infuse $28 million from the American Rescue Plan into our affordable housing fund. And to get affordable housing built sooner, we'll be creating a specialized team to prioritize these projects for permit review and approval. Okay, there's obviously a lot to unpack from the mayor's State of the City address, and I can assure you we'll be talking about all of these things more. But today, we're going to focus on one thing the mayor mentioned, safe parking. Can you believe it's only been four months since we launched this show? We've had so many incredible people on to talk about Denver. Members of the city council, business leaders. I mean, yesterday we even had former Governor Dick Lamb on to talk about the Olympics. But one of the things I've loved most about the first four months of our show is our partnership with Denver's street paper, The Denver Voice. Every month or so, we bring you a story from someone who's unhoused or experiencing poverty who sells the paper on street corners around the city. The thing I appreciate about these conversations is that they offer different perspectives on important stuff happening in our city. Like today's guest, Lando Allen, who's been vending for The Voice since 2009. I just got a weird story uh, about my uh, situation and all that. After talking to Lando, I did some reading and made a few phone calls, and it turns out that with the federal evictions moratorium ending next week, a lot more people across the Denver metro area are probably going to be living their own version of his weird story. So today on the show, we're going to hear Lando's story and talk about what it means for all of us that live here. 
I'm from all over. <laughs> you know, mostly I I lived in Wisconsin. I'm kind of like a half-baked singer. <laughs> but I just got to feel peace. Peace to do it. It's like right now I'm not at peace. About three years ago, Lando was spending a lot of his time on the streets when he got the money together to buy himself a camper. It's a little cheaper than other things. Like we're having a regular house and renting. I I find myself wanting to do it, but I can't. When you can't work anymore and all this and that, they could kick you out at any time. And it's so high to rent here. It's like, uh, why do that? And I had a plan for it. I was like, okay, I'm up in this camper and I'm fine. And and I painted it green. It was camouflage and that was hideous. And I used it to like sleep in and cook and and like try to like make it and like put some goals in order to like get something going where I could like not be homeless anymore. And I don't want to end up like my parents. My mom, before she died, she almost got homeless and I, I just don't want to get that age and be like, I have nothing to show for my life. When Lando first got the camper, there was a lot about that lifestyle for him to like. Chiefly, it got him out of the shelters. There's not like many nice people there, including the people that work there. That's one thing you, I mean, and then it's, it stops you from sleeping outside or getting robbed and like, my camper is a lot of things to me. It's actually freedom, though. Freedom to, like, live in my camper. I got a TV up in there. I bought a um, generator, so I'm cool. It's just the winter's too cold. <laughs> I don't want to spend another winter here if I had to. Unless if I had no choice. <laughs> then I'd do it again. Over the past year and a half, I've heard more and more stories of people making this hard choice to live in their vehicles, and I wanted to understand it better. So I reached out to the Colorado Safe Parking Initiative and spoke with one of the founders, Chelsea Baker-Hawk. You know, when you lose your home, you may still have the asset of your vehicle, so you can keep a lot of your belongings there without the cost of a storage unit. You may put your pets in the vehicle with you. You may put family members in the vehicle with you. Chelsea's not a subject matter expert or anything like that. At least she wasn't a few years ago when she noticed more and more people in her neighborhood sleeping in their vehicles. But she wanted to help. So she and Rochelle Brogan founded the Colorado Safe Parking Initiative in 2019. The Colorado Safe Parking Initiative creates safe legal places for people to sleep overnight when they are sheltering in their vehicles. We network with organizations across the seven county Denver metro area to create sites. We partner with faith communities to host sites. And then various service provider agencies uh, work with us to do case management, to operate programs, and to try to get those folks who are sleeping in their vehicles back into housing, help them find employment, and help them access whatever services they need. Each of their safe parking sites looks a little different, but basically they function a lot like the safe outdoor spaces that Denver has been funding more and more. But instead of setting up ice fishing tents in parking lots, they block off parts of lots and work closely with the people who park there to connect them with those services that she was talking about. We have um, 10 sites across the metro area right now with more coming online in the next few weeks. And right now we have 
good coverage in Broomfield and Boulder County um, and Jefferson County. And we're just starting to uh, add sites in Arapahoe County, Adams County, and Denver. We estimate there are around 1,000 individuals, probably more, um, living in vehicles in the Denver metro area. Right now, we serve between 60 and 90. So we have quite a ways to go to scale up to meet 100% of the need. And from what Chelsea told me, the need is not always easy to see. It's notoriously difficult to track the number of people living in their cars. I reached out to Denver's Department of Public Safety to see if they have any better estimates, and they said they don't track this issue at all. And that's just one of the problems around this increasingly prevalent issue. I got rules to keep in my camper. Make sure that it drives. Make sure that it's perfect, because you'll never know. You might have to move that day. If you don't um, have it drivable, you could end up getting everything snatched from you. Nobody in their mama don't want you parked over by their house. It, I mean, especially when it's looking like hideous, you know. <laughs> so that's a no-no. Don't park it by people's houses. So I learned that a long time ago when I first got my camper. And um, keep, I mean... I don't like parking near other people that's trying to do the same thing I'm doing because mostly, mostly all of them, they get their campers broken into. When I used to pay for parking, it was one night I woke up, the guys like acting like they're cops and it's like you're illegal parking and this and that. I'm like, sir, I paid, paid for parking. They just want to see what they could get off me. I wouldn't recommend to anybody to do the same thing I'm trying to do because it's very hard. You get messed with too much. Unless if you have a place to park it and if you had the money to like take care of it and fix things yourself. And um, I got to pay bills even though you had, you had your own camper and all that. That doesn't mean that bills stop. It don't. <laughs> so, folks, often, you know, begin living in their vehicle thinking it's going to be a temporary situation and it doesn't turn out to be temporary and it's much harder than they think. There are very few places where they can park legally overnight and sleep in a vehicle. They're at much higher risk for being victimized, sexual assault, theft, that sort of thing. Um, They are at risk of having their cars ticketed and towed. There's a lot of wear and tear on the vehicles and deferred maintenance. And over time, the vehicles begin to kind of fall apart and are harder and harder to maintain and eventually may stop running. At that point, often individuals end up on the street and what was to be a temporary situation becomes a permanent long-term chronic homelessness situation. I had my insurance going and all that other stuff and I, um, I was fine until one day I came back right around the corner from Brighton my camper was gone, and the city took it, and I was like, okay, wow. So it wasn't up in the area where people were like, oh, get this thing away from my house and all that. And then I went to the impound and told them what was up with that. I was like, why did it take my camper? They said it was abandoned, and I was like, wait a minute, dude. I still have license plates on it because it was registered before, but it wasn't registered all the way because of the pandemic and 
they closed down the area where I went to go register my camper. So we argue, and the lady said the cops could do whatever they want. And I was like, wow. I cried because I didn't have the money to get it. It got me upset, and I left. I was going to leave the camper right there, and the car I had was broken. So I was like, oh, man, I need my camper because I have no place to go. I worked a couple of days, suddenly a voice, you know, got 200 and something, came back in, talked to the people. The sheriff said he um, weighed some of the fee for it. And I was like, all right. You know, I had some money, but not all of money. My girlfriend had to help me when I got it out. I was like, I just started saving everything I could. Just make sure that it'll never happen again. After speaking with Chelsea about the safe parking initiative, I passed along her information to Lando. But if he gets in touch about the new safe parking area they're opening in Denver, he's going to have competition. Chelsea told me they're only going to have eight spots available at that site, though she's hoping to open more in Denver soon. And they can't do it fast enough. With the federal moratorium on evictions set to expire at the end of the month, Chelsea and her colleagues are expecting a huge increase in demand for safe parking spaces. We're definitely concerned. I think we're we're seeing the early signs of a big problem in folks are losing housing already, partially because of the high cost of housing in Denver and the, the surrounding areas. I mean, really statewide, it's very difficult to find any housing and it's very expensive. It's really not affordable for someone who's on a fixed income or someone who is working a low low wage job. And so it's really gonna take all of us pulling together to even meet the need where we where we are now, not to mention the, you know, potentially thousands of people who may lose their housing when this eviction moratorium is up. We expect that they're just going to skyrocket. That's what we're afraid of. If you or a loved one is behind on rent, there is support out there to stop an eviction. I'm going to put a few links in the show notes to this episode. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter at denver.citycast.fm. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Until then, I hope you have a really good day. Let's see what's happening out there today. Oh, you know what? I already recorded the newscast.